Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Good morning. Coming up to two minutes past nine, you're tuned to 102.73 Triple R. It's time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. We have the program about all things wet and salty. My name is Bron Burton. And I'm Cade Mills. Hi, Cade. I'm so happy to be in the studio, Bron, after missing out over Radiothon. Yeah. It's such a festive-looking place. They've done such a great job of sprucing it up. And as Dr Beach said last week, it was so nice to get so many subscriptions come through and know that there's people listening, but not only listening, you know, being able to help us out. Very impressive. It and is. you can still help us out. You if can. You want to jump online and subscribe. RRR.org.au. Radiothon does go until Wednesday, 6th of October at 5 pm. Uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. First up, thank you very much, Tim Thorpe, for, um, for two days, six hours of Vital Bits. The As hardest always. working man on radio. <laughs> and thanks. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Andrew, for Soulful Bits. As always, you can catch Tim next Saturday morning from 6 till 9 and then again on Sunday from 6 till 9. And, um, Kate, I noted that you subscribe to normally the two minutes that we praise <laughs> Tim Thorpe. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep it to less than two minutes today. Ha- With all become, respect to Tim. <laughs> I, I do enjoy when Anthe's in. He um, just takes it to the next level, um, your royal highness. Um, <laughs> we fan him with palm leaves and feed him grapes. It's how special he is to this station. We want to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubting that. Um, but yes, uh, it is actually, in, we've, we've, we've done ourselves a disservice, Kate. It's International Talk Like a Pirate Day, which we're not going to be doing for... Is a, it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> the, <laughs> and that's the, why we've got Neil on, isn't it? Yeah, it, Cap, aka Captain oh, Trash. Yeah. It's his alter it, ego. It is, yeah. So he'll be on later in the program. But if you want to subscribe between now and 10, in fact, probably between now and 10 to 10, uh, Captain Trash will read out your name with a very uh, appropriately themed pirate-type fish name for you. Well, it's it's only fair that he ended up on Triple R, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> he couldn't have gone anywhere else. <laughs> He's made that observation. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, yeah, subscribe, rrr.org.au. Now, today's program, very shortly, we're going to be crossing to speak with Joe Richards uh, and Michael Sams from Parks Victoria. Uh, and this is for an update on the proposed works at Flinders Pier. We've been covering this one for a little while, uh, including last time we had Joe on the program before Radiothon, we were talking about a report that had been commissioned by Parks Vic to determine the impacts from proposed works on the local marine environment because, of course, this is something that's generated an, an awful lot of publicity and interest, big focus on the weedy sea dragon. So there's a report that has been done. It's been finished. It's with Parks Victoria and they're going to tell us all about it and what the report showed. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about that, um, especially from Michael. He's just recently started at Parks, so interested in hearing a bit more from about his role. Yeah, Definitely. So that will be very soon. Uh, we are then going to go from Flinders Pier to Ningaloo Reef in Western Australia. We're actually going to be speaking with Paul Gamblin, who is the director for uh, Protect Ningaloo for the Australian uh, Marine Conservation Society. He's actually in Exmouth. He's as close to live oh, on location geez. as you can get. I know. <laughs> I spoke to him. Is this yesterday. over the phone or Zoom? So uh, this is over the oh, phone. So we don't have to look at the background yeah. and see. <laughs> See that he's in shorts and a t-shirt and living the life. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, he was doing a beach cleanup yesterday, so I might ask him about that as well. So, yeah, there's been a proposal. I don't know if you remember, Kate, a couple of years ago. In fact, Judith Lucy was part of this campaign in the end to draw attention to a proposal by Sub-C7 to do some um, fairly extensive developments in the Exmouth Gulf, which was predicted to have big impacts on Ningaloo Reef. And so uh, that proposal was, uh, in fact, Sub-C7 withdrew their application, I think it was about six months ago, maybe nine months ago. Um, there's another bite at the cherry, not by Sub-C7, but another proposal for a new industrial port in Exmouth Gulf. And from that, and uh, well, it's a new campaign, but it's part of the overall umbrella Protect Ningaloo campaign. Wow. Um, I do remember the old one. I think Tim Winton was also involved in that where yes. Judith got to hold Tim's hand when <laughs> yeah. they went snorkeling. Well, that's how it all came about, yeah. which was, yeah, really great story. Anyway, so we'll be catching up with Paul um, to find out about this new proposal and their campaign to draw attention to it and hopefully uh, from, from their end have it stopped. Uh, and heaps and heaps of news, which we're sort of accumulating, some that we didn't get to cover last week. Hopefully we'll get to cover it. Actually, hopefully we won't get to cover it this week because we'll have so many we're additional names yes. to read out yes. that, that uh, we won't need. Well, we should. But anyway, um, let's go to the weather. Let's go to the weather. Today we've got top of 19. Um, and look, for the next couple of days, it's going to get a bit ordinary. We're down to 14 on Monday, 13 on Tuesday, and then it's looking... Good picnic weather later in the week, 17 Wednesday, 21 on Thursday and 20 on Friday with a few showers sort of scattered amongst that. If you are able to get down to the water, it's a northerly wind at the moment. So I think just about every surf break would be a good option if you that's within your area um, with a couple of foot of swell around at the moment too. But it's swinging around to the northwest um, very soon. So get amongst it when you can. The tides today, if you're in the bay, the high at Williamstown is at 125. And at Port Phillip Heads, the high tide is going to be pretty much at the end of the show at 10.15. That's thank, it. Thank you, Kate. I've got an Antarctic report from Cliff. <laughs> Yay. He was busy. He was working last week. He says, morning, Radio Marinara. Apologies again. Oh, you don't need to apologise. Cliff, for missing last week, you know it's getting busy down here when public servants are doing overtime and working on weekends. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> I actually just messaged Cliff. I said, any report from user bonus, Cliff? We're just delighted to have your weekly reports. So the uh, prediction for Casey this week or today specifically uh, air temperature of minus 18.1, uh, wind chill factor takes it to minus 28.1, humidity 82%. There's some challenging conditions for you. Yeah. And uh, he goes on to say that he spent yesterday morning digging three tractors out of the snow. Um, and these tractors are uh, they're, they're decorated they're quite- by Ken Doan. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, the Australian artist. Oh, so I take it you've got photos that you're going to share with everyone, Brian? I do. I'm going yes. to put them on our Facebook page uh, after today's program. And he says they're parked about 10 kilometres from station for storage. Wow. Yes. I had to travel out in those conditions, 10Ks. Amazing. So uh, we'll organise another session with Cliff to talk about these diggers, I reckon. Of course, yes. Who doesn't love a good Can't digger story? Can't wait to Cliff again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got time for a couple of bits of news. You've got something to yeah, plug. Yeah, so I've just got a quick plug from friends of the show, Museums Victoria. So um, coming up on oh, Wednesday the 22nd of September at 6 o'clock, there's going to be a Zoom. You know, everyone's having web with these days. But it's Treasures of Deep Sea Science. So this is an expedition that was led by Dr Tim O'Hara, who's the Senior Curator of Marine Invertebrates and the Chief Scientist on, on this trip that was done around Christmas Island. So they've basically 
going to share with us their findings. Tim's a brittle star guy, but we've also got Mel McKenzie as well, who's a marine invertebrate person. So they're going to basically share the stories of what they found when they went out around Christmas Island. And to be honest, they're probably just starting to scrape the top of what they found, but yeah. it's sort of it's an insight into you know their most recent trip and what's been seen there. So that starts at six. It's five bucks to jump online, and I'm going to be sitting at home watching it with my family. You'll be in the front row. I will be in the front row. <laughs> so we're well, all actually, in the front row. Everyone's in the yes. front row. Exactly right. Um, fantastic. I've also got some plugs. This is for the Victoria Nature Festival, which we mentioned last week. It runs across two weeks. So we're heading into the second week of that. And um, we'll put, I said last week we'd put a link on our Facebook page, which I neglected to do. So apologies if you were, uh, if you were waiting on that. Hopefully you went through uh, your search engine of choice and found it for yourself. But there's some great stuff happening today. Um, I've just picked a couple of things out. Junior Ranger online activities with Parks Victoria. And speaking of Junior Rangers, we're heading into the first week of the Victorian school holidays. So, you know, for, for if you happen to still be working at home and are now facing two weeks of kids being on holidays, there's some really great online stuff that kids can get involved with, particularly this week. Um, so, yeah, Junior Ranger online activities with Parks Victoria. There's also Nature Unfiltered Victoria Nature Festival special podcast from Phillip Island. Oh, How wow. cool. That's just today. Tomorrow there's uh, Walks of Phillip Island with Graham and the South Coast. There's Exploring Victoria's Forests of the Sea with Parks Victoria webinar 5 till 6 p.m. Um, then Tuesday you can meet Ranger Brad. <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't want to do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who he is. I think I might have to meet Ranger yeah. Brad. Um, there's also Discover Discovery Bay and the Glenelg Estuary with Glenelg Hopkins CMA, the Catchment Management Authority there. There's Live Penguin TV, Victoria Nature Festival Special. How cool would that be? That's from 6.30 till 7.15pm. And uh, Back to Nature, ABC series, The Deep River uh, at 8pm. So heaps of stuff. This time I will put the link on our Facebook page. If you want to look at, look at uh, it for yourself, it's actually www. We don't say that anymore, do we? No. I'm showing my age. <laughs> Together.vic.gov.au. It's a pretty simple one. Yeah. Together.vic.gov.au. All right. A couple of quick uh, mentions of um, wonderful Triple R listeners um, and subscribers who've contacted us over the last couple of weeks. One I wanted to give um, a big shout out to um, because, Kate, I don't actually, you will remember this because you organised it a few weeks ago. Um, we had a, a special segment on ocean literacy. We did, yes. And after that uh, show, I went and checked our marinara pigeonhole and there was a letter from Alastair who had sent us in uh, a children's book which is a children's adventure set in the western suburbs of Melbourne and specifically focuses on destruction of marine environment that's part of Melbourne. So written by Alistair? Yes. Oh, so, wow. Alistair, I just wanted to say thank you. And um, it was it was in August, so only a few weeks ago, but we've been all caught up in Radiothon. We will be in touch with you because we're really keen to, um, to hopefully have you on the program. Yes. But we're going to follow, as we said, up with more conversation about ocean literacy. Yeah, that was Dr. Prue Francis who... Um started us down that path and I have a feeling it's a path we're going to want meander down for quite a while now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be really good. Um, we're also going to be, uh, I also wanted to mention a, a letter that came through from Kip from Blairgowrie and Brunswick, but I'm going to talk about more about that in a minute because there's a track that comes with it that I'm going to play in the middle of the show. Uh, and John Palmer, who's been messaging us all week, 
John's a big fan of Talk Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> so has he provided some examples there for you, Bron? He says, uh, I'm so in the mood for Talk Like a Pirate Day, having my own pirate party at my house uh, on Sunday, I'm sure within the COVID restrictions that currently exist. Um, so yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum. So, um, John, if you're listening, when we have uh, Captain Trash on the program, He'll get his fill of yeah, pirate talk. You yeah, will. <laughs> yes, you will. Nine nineteen. You're listening to Triple R and Radio Marinara is the name of this program. Now, back in July, we spoke with Joe Richards, who is the regional director, Melbourne Marine and Maritime from Parks Victoria, about the proposed works at Flinders Pier. After community concerns were raised about the impacts of the works on local marine life, and particularly the beloved local weedy sea dragons. At the time we spoke, Joe mentioned an impact assessment report that had been commissioned to predict the impacts of the proposed works with a focus on the local marine life and she offered to come back and chat with us more once the report was completed. Well, the report has been completed. It's called the Flinders Pier Marine Ecology and Pier Removal Impact Assessment and the key findings have been submitted to tell us all about the report, what it means and what we can expect in the months ahead. We welcome back to Triple R and to Radio Marinara from Parks Victoria, Joe Richards. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Great to have you back. And also um, from Parks Thank Victoria, you. Manager Marine and Coastal Science and Programs, Michael Sams. Good morning, Michael. Hi, Bron. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to have you both with us. And um, Cade's here with me as well. You can see me on screen. Cade's just to my left. <laughs> um, Hi, Cade. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, uh, Joe. when we last spoke, the study that we're about to speak about had just been commissioned. And before we get into the study and its findings, um, I was thinking perhaps for listeners who didn't catch last time when you were on, can we briefly look back to what the need is regarding Flinders Pier? Why is there a need for this work to be done? Yes, so um, as we spoke last time, Bron, there's a 180-metre timber section of the pier that um, has collapsed and is deteriorating, and we need to remove that 180-metre section for public safety reasons. So there's a few piles that have um, failed, and you can actually see where the pier has slumped. So we just need to remove that 180-metre section. And that section's been closed off now, hasn't it? People can't walk on it in terms of public risk. Yeah, it's been closed off for quite a while now while we prepared for um, its removal. So the rest of the pier is open. So there's, you know, 370-odd metres of pier that's still open, the concrete section and an outer timber section that's still accessible along with the lower landings. Now, just to summarise, because we covered this at length last time that you were on the program, what's been proposed in terms of the works at the pier? So following um, the marine ecology assessment and a heritage impact assessment, the proposal was just to remove that 180 metre section and leave the rest of the pier as it is and continue to maintain that, but just to remove that first 180 metres of timber pier. Um, there's been a lot of publicity generated by the locally formed group running a campaign um, with their campaigns called Save Flinders Pier. It's generated a huge level of interest and they're claiming that the pier is going to be demolished. Uh, their website's still got a section called Parks Victoria Plans for Demolition. I just wanted to ask you this question really to clarify for our listeners. Is Flinders Pier going to be demolished? The whole pier is certainly not going to be demolished. It's a really important um, local port asset. Like it, it has the um, commercial fishermen, it has um, sea pilots, vessels there. So 
definitely the whole pier is not going to be demolished. We just need to remove this 180 metre section for public safety reasons. So, now, yes, when you go down there, the whole pier will still be standing apart from this one little section. Now, Mike, it's Kate here. Look, before we get on to the report, I'm keen to hear what was um, discussed in that. I just wanted to ask about your role. I know it was a recently created role to help Mark Norman out, a friend of the show. Uh, what does it mean being the marine, the manager of Marine and Coastal Science and Programs, apart from having a very long title? Yeah, we're thinking of changing the title. <laughs> Maybe just uh, turn it into the Coastal and Marine Unit. But yeah, look, it's a, it's a fantastic role. So... Um, I lead a small team, only a few people, but we sit in the Environment and Science Division of Parks Victoria, and so our team has expertise in marine ecology, marine science, um, conservation programs, and things like that. Um, our role is really focused on the conservation and protection of the plants and animals that live in Parks Victoria's estate and the other areas we, we manage. So we run the science and the monitoring programs, our internal science and monitoring programs, um, we do things like support the development of conservation programs and come up with some of them, um, and they're kind of run through the regional offices. Uh, and we provide technical advice um, on the marine environment to the regional staff and to jo jo groups like Joe's group, um, and so that includes advice on environmental impacts and the considerations there. Uh, we also do a lot of input into government policy and strategy, and um, yeah, uh, the other thing we do is we oversee uh, the diving activities for Parks Victoria, so we've got a pretty full dance card but it means we get to be involved in I can, yeah i can see why you've got such impactful work i can see why you've got such a long title given all the work that you're doing <laughs> so today what's yeah. been your involvement with the proposed works at flinders pier yeah so um i suppose recognizing the environmental values around flinders pier and and that people it's a place that people care about it's quite iconic we we actually commissioned an independent consultant to do this report um to ensure we're following a robust process and no conflict of interest, that sort of thing. So in this context, what we do is really act as peer reviewers or advisors um, on that report and on the environmental aspects. So we'll look at it and we'll say, you know, do we think they've done enough work, robust job? Um, do we agree with the conclusions? Um, and so in this context, yeah, we haven't actually done the monitoring assessment ourselves. We look at the information and then kind of provide our own advice back to Joe on, on that report. So just on that report, uh, Michael, um and you, you, what was actually asked of the consultants? And and I suppose we should ask who were they? Yeah, uh, so we, we got a company called Consulting Environment Engineers um, to do this work for us. And they're in the marine sphere in Victoria. They're probably quite well known. So they've been working in marine consulting in Victoria for probably decades now. Um, definitely since I've been involved. I've been reviewing lots of their reports over the years in different roles. Um, so they bring a lot of experience from environmental impact assessment. Um, and yeah, and look, if you look across the years, you'll find their contributions probably for everything from looking at water quality outfall assessments and um, to ecological studies and then doing some of the bigger contributions to environmental effect statements and things that feed into those big government projects. So one thing that someone might think by their name, consulting environmental engineers, is that they're a group of engineers. It's probably good to ask that question that in terms of their qualifications to do this work. Oh, yes, sure. So no, they do have an engineering component and then they have an environmental and ecological arm. And the guys working there, so Scott Chigi heads them up, um, who's sort of known around the marine circles. He 
they all have qualifications in marine ecology and marine sciences and you know the, the i'm not quite sure who's working with them currently um but you know lots of people with phds and masters in marine ecology um working that for them yeah so what did they examine what was the brief that parks victoria gave to them what was it that they were asked to do yeah so the idea so there are a few things but essentially um one major component was an assessment of what's under the pier and on and surrounding the actual pier itself. So that involved doing surveys. Um, there were some previous studies that were done um, by a different consulting firm in uh, 2012, I think it was. Don't don't quote me on the exact date. Um, and it was to follow up on a bit of those studies as well. Um, and then also to look at the wider habitat around Flinders Pier. And so the idea of that is to have a look at what the species are we find under the pier, living on pier pylons, what the impacts are likely to be to them. Have we seen changes in the environment since previous that might indicate things maybe are fine or not doing well, or anything to be concerned about? And then looking at that wider habitat distribution of what's around there to kind of get an idea of are the things living on the pier, is there anything particularly unique or particularly vulnerable that we find there? So I mentioned the report's been completed and uh, it's come through. What did they find? And particularly really, I guess, because there's been so much focus on weedy sea dragons and seagrass as well. Um, I guess in general, what did they find, but particularly with a focus on, on those two um, types of marine organisms? Sure. So um, essentially what we're talking about here, just to be clear, is there's a, a 180 metre section of old pier that's being removed. Next to that, there's a concrete pier which is remaining. And then further out um, for the remaining 320 metres, there's um, a, a wooden pier that's not being removed. Um, and so in terms of their impact assessment, looking at that 180 metre stretch of pier, essentially what they found living under the pier um is a lot of it's in the below the low tide water mark so you have a lot of bare sand and then the pier piles that are covered with barnacles and things like that as you get out past about i think it's 130 meters of that 180 meter stretch of pier we start to get those um algal kind of and sponge garden type communities that like to grow on the pier pylons it's still quite shallow there so you're sort of not getting much deeper than two meters at high tide in those areas um and um, so the, and then uh, most of it's bare under the pier and then alongside we have seagrass beds that are around there. So um, in general, in terms of the impacts to the pier along those that first um, 180 metres uh, is probably a very little concern. There's only a few barnacles and things. It's not really habitat for marine creatures, just some of the intertidal things that are quite common. As you get out to the deeper sections of the pier that, that will be removed, they, that we start to see some kind of discrete habitat. So those are the things that are most likely to be impacted from the removal of the pier, these kind of algal and sponge communities. But we know that the high value communities are the ones that are out in those deeper sections of the pier that's not being removed. Um, and those habitats are replicated and much more abundant there. There will be fish and things like that that live on those sponge gardens that may be impacted, but of course they can swim away. Um, and then in terms of the, um, so th those are the primary communities that will be impacted. And I should add the other thing they looked at is an assessment of vulnerable and listed species. And so there's nothing like that living on the piers. It's all quite common stuff. Um, then um, in terms of seagrasses and, and weedy sea dragon, there's, there's two kind of species of seagrass you find in that area. There's one called Zostra and Heterozostra, which Cade, I'm sure, is very familiar with both of these species um, through his work over the years. And then Amphibolus antarctica is, is uh, a species known as the sea nymph, which is 
sort of alongside the spear, but it also forms these really extensive um, hectares and hectares of habitat outside the pier. Now that seagrass is the primary habitat for the weedy sea dragon. Um, and so what the consultants did was looked at what's found in the wider habitat, how likely that is to be affected, where the weedy sea dragons are living. So we know we do find weedy sea dragons moving under the pier, but it's not their core habitat, it's those seagrass beds. So likely impacts to the weedy sea dragons will be negligible, we think. So weedy sea dragons are a species of, of least concern under our kind of um, the IOC and red list, which are these species that are vulnerable or endangered. So they're not endangered at all. They have quite abundant populations that stretch from Newcastle to Geraldton in Western Australia. And they're, they're, they're quite abundant in that Flinders region as well. Um, and Cater might actually be in a good position to talk about some of this because some of the information we know about that comes from the Great Fish Count, the Great Australian Fish Counts and things that come through that. But we know that they're quite common living in amongst the, the seagrasses down there. Um, in terms of the seagrass habitat that could be affected, I guess in the scale of impact we're looking at there through the removal of the pier is something um, like a bit of disturbance through the construction and removal of the pier. We're probably looking at an impact footprint of squares of metres, I would say, from, from the removal. And a lot of that will be managed through a construction environmental management plan. Um, and by contrast, there's hectares of amphibolous seagrass that basically stretch from that Flinders region all the way up to near Summers, I think, is about where also that arm and entrance of Western Port. So uh, I suppose in a nutshell, to summarise, um, we think the impacts will be fairly minimal and fairly small. And, and quite easily managed. We're not expecting anything adverse to happen to weedy sea dragons or those important seagrass beds that are in the area. Yeah, and I guess I should say I did speak to Scott during his assessment phase and we had a discussion around it. One of the things that actually came up is that the pier shades the seabed and one of the potential impacts will be that you may get seagrass growing in areas that hasn't been for a while. Was that in the report at Absolutely. all? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it is, yes. So thanks. That's, that's a point that I meant to make too, Kate. So thanks for making that. But yeah, so, so one of the interesting things about these piers is the thing they do is they create a low light environment, which is why you get the sponge gardens and things under there and, and these algal species, but they actually shade out the seagrass beds. So we expect that over time, for, by removing this pier, that's those seagrass beds, which you only find around the edge of the pier, will start to grow inwards and actually form them. Uh, so there'll be more habitat there in, in one sense for the weedy sea dragons. Um, Mike, I'm really keen to get you back on the program at some point. We can obviously, we want to follow this one through as well, but to talk about seagrass more broadly, there's been some really interesting citizen science-based work up in New South Wales around the Port Stephens area to um, rehabitate, repopulate areas where um, seagrass has sort of disappeared from the natural environment. Um, a lot of it is sort of due to mooring scars that have come around from boats mooring um, and they've done some really great work to repopulate, but we'll talk about that one down the track. Um just, wanted sure. to, just really wanted to ask you about uh, where to from here in terms of what's in store over the next few months. Joe. that might be more a question for you. That's, that's yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if you're aware, but um, Heritage Victoria have notified us that a third party has um, lodged um, a nomination to nominate not just that timber section or the whole timber section of the pier, but the foreshore area on the Victorian Heritage Register. So um, Parks Victoria is sort of putting a little pause on this project while we wait for that process to run its course, um, letting due process run its course. So um, that 
that process could take four to six months. So there's no kind of statutory requirement for Heritage Victoria to respond to that application within a certain time frame. Um, once they do respond, there's 60 days for somebody to put in a submission or request a hearing. Um, and then after the 60 days, there's another 40 days for Heritage Victoria to consider that, or the Heritage Council actually, to consider that. So it could be four to six months before we have the outcome of that heritage um, application. So we did have another, you will remember from last time I was on, we had another study underway, which was a heritage impact assessment. Um, we're going to put a, we're just going to take that project to a draft um, because of course the, the result of the application will affect what happens with the heritage impact assessment. So um, we're just going to put a hold on the project for now until all of those um, statutory processes are resolved. Um, so we were, I think last time I was on, we talked about some community engagement and webinars. We're going to um, postpone those until after Heritage Victoria has made its decision. Um, but we will continue to monitor the, that well, the whole pier, but in particular that 180 metre section, just to make sure that it doesn't um, cause any danger to the community um, and just know what state it's in. Great, Joe. We might catch up with you again, if that's okay, in a few months' time once some of those processes have uh, yeah. know, worked, worked their way through what they need to do, in particular in terms of the heritage Sorry. interests. I have one last yep. question, um, given those risks that we talked about earlier and just now, in terms of what people will be able to do at Flinders Pier over the coming months. And, you know, particularly with we're in spring now, summer's coming, hopefully restrictions will continue to ease and people will be able to get down to the Mornington Peninsula. Um, are they still able to walk on parts of the pier? Um, can they dive under it? Can they snorkel under it? Um, can they fish off the pier? What, what are people able to do at the moment and moving forward? Yep, so they can still... Um, yep, so there's still 327 metres of pier that's open for the public to enjoy. So um, promenading, having your fish and chips while sitting on the pier, feeding the seagulls, doing all that sort of stuff is still um, available. Of course, within the... COVID restrictions that are in at the time. Um, in terms of diving under the pier, um, the rest of the pier is, is safe to dive under. We probably advise people to be pretty careful if they're diving under the 180 metre section. But as, um, as Michael said, there's probably not a huge amount to see under there. Their people will be further out. Um, as I said, we'll continue to monitor the pier and we'll put signage up if there's any um, risk, but that 180 metre section will remain closed um, so people can't access the top of that section, but the rest of the pier will be open all summer. Great. And if people want more information in the meantime, um, because there's all sorts of stuff on the Parks Vic website, um, I was going to ask you where can they go, but it's a really long link and I think probably the best thing for me to do is to just put that on our on our um, Facebook page Um it's pretty easy to find parks.vic.gov.au and yeah. then, uh, yeah, the, as I said, there's a long link with a couple of backslashes. So we'll, we'll put Project. that on our Facebook page. Yeah, projects, yeah. Great. Thanks so much, Joe, and yeah. thank you very much. They head to the projects page and then flint. Yeah, good one. Thanks so much for joining us this morning and um, we look forward to catching up with you again in a few months' time to um, to really talk about what's been happening uh, with this long-term long issue. It'll go on for a while, we know, and um, and follow this one through. So thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for having us. Okay, bye for Thank now. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye. bye. Bye for now. Have a happy...
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We've managed to get through, uh, yeah, the first uh, 38 minutes of the show without talking like pirates, but that's going to change soon. Triple R. Now, long-time listeners of Marinara might remember that two years ago back in October 2019, we were utterly delighted to be joined by funny woman Judith Lucy, who talked to us about her life-changing experience diving with whale sharks on Ningaloo Reef and her efforts to support the Protect Ningaloo campaigners in their fight against a proposed industrial development that threatened to impact an area of up to 1,000 football ovals in size. That campaign ultimately triumphed with proponents Subsea 7 withdrawing their development application. But guess what? There's a new development proposal matched by a new campaign underway by the good people of Protect Ningaloo. The proposal is to develop another industrial port called the Gascoigne Gateway Industrial Port proposed for Exmouth and there are serious concerns about the risks posed to humpback whale mothers and their calves. To tell us about the proposal and the campaign, we now cross to Exmouth in Western Australia to welcome AMCS Protect Ningaloo Director Paul Gamblin. Good morning, Paul. Welcome to Triple R and to Radio Marinara. Good morning, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, thank you so much. We uh, know it's pretty early your time as well, so thanks for uh, for being <laughs> with us. Let's start with the Ningaloo World Heritage Area itself. I'm guessing most people listening probably have at least a broad awareness of Ningaloo and where it is. Can you describe Ningaloo and Exmouth Gulf for people listening now? Sure. So, so Ningaloo is about halfway up the long Western Australian coastline. It's it's one of the world's healthiest coral reef systems. It's a spectacular place. It's famed for the annual visit of the whale sharks. It also has humpback whales migrating through there, orcas, uh, any kind of critter, an ocean critter that you can imagine, turtles, uh, dugongs. It's the most remarkable place. And because it's so special, um, Ten years ago, it was added to the, inscribed onto the World Heritage List. Uh, and interestingly, when the United Nations did that, it also recommended that the Australian government consider including Exmouth Gulf, which is adjacent to, to Ningaloo, also in the World Heritage Listing. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but it, but it does uh, symbolise the importance of, of Exmouth Gulf to Ningaloo. Now, your last campaign was successful in stopping this proposed development in Exmouth Gulf. I, like, first of all, can you believe that you're back here again fighting another proposal in the same region, particularly when the last one got so much opposition and was ultimately defeated? Yeah, it's, it's kind of extraordinary, and, and actually particularly in this case, that, that we have to stand up to defend a humpback whale uh, nursing and, and, and resting area. I mean, in this day and age, in 2021, you wouldn't think you'd have to campaign to stop major shipping through an area like that, but here we, here we go again. Um, and, but I have to say the community is really getting behind this one, but we shouldn't have to do it, and Exmouth Gulf is such a special place. It's really at a turning point. It, it, it's if it's a, a battle between the industrial parts of the Pilbara that people know about and, and the, the Ningaloo area, which, which is well-preserved and supports a, a flourishing economy. And, and we, we see a future for Exmouth Gulf, which is based on tourism, marine science, cultural tourism and compatible activity that doesn't threaten the incredible nature of the place. So let's go to this proposal, the Gascoigne Gateway Port. What's this one all about? And, and also, who are the proponents? What are they actually proposing? So the proposal is, is to build uh, a major industrial uh, port in Exmouth Gulf, um, just south of the town of Exmouth. And the, the port would extend about a kilometre into the water. It would include over a million cubic metres of dredging and just a huge, huge amount 
of dredging. It would it would create a shipping channel essentially through this this area, which is so important to so much wildlife, and is one of the world's most important humpback whale resting and nurse, nursing areas. And it's and it's it's important for humpback whales, and they they are found here because it's a really quiet, shallow, um, calm environment where humpback mothers can rest their cars and fatten them up for the big trip down to Antarctica. So it's really no place for major shipping and it's, and it's no place for dredging or industrial activity and, uh, and yet we have, to, we have to step up and, and, and fight this proposal unfortunately but, uh, but we're just determined to, to do that. Hi Paul, it's Kate here. Look, i just got a quick question for you. How is this proposal different to what had been proposed previously? I notice on their website they throw the word green around a lot. Um, but what what have they done? What are, what is so different about this one? Yeah, so the, the previous proposal uh, was to build a pipeline fabrication facility uh, further down in the Gulf. Um, this is this new proposal is is even more concerning in many ways because it would introduce very large ships. Some of the bigger ships you can imagine the ocean would be able to access this this port, and that's why they have to they'd have to dredge um, to to allow these very large vessels into the area and it's a, be a whole range of shipping from oil and gas support to, to fuel to tankers uh crews potentially defense um but you know pr- pretty much anything you can imagine um it's it's uh, in terms of shipping could uh, use this facility and and uh introduce what is an incompatible use of the gulf of this very special calm shallow environment which is um, just full of biodiversity and globally at a time when we know so many environmental areas so many coastal and marine areas are under so much pressure that the list of threatened species is so long uh, for Exmouth Gulf I don't it wouldn't have time to, to list them all it's it's one of those few places that we have a chance to protect and a, and a, and a chance to to help those threatened species recover and we shouldn't be industrializing it, it it's it's just uh, it defies common sense Um, I was reading through your press release, Paul, and it mentions the Western Australian EPA um, that has released a report a couple of weeks ago, which is fundamentally on an an assessment of Exmouth Gulf. I wanted to ask you about that, what the assessment was all about and what the report says. Yeah, thanks. It's actually a really important uh, report from the EPA, and it was triggered uh, last year because of these the, the number of industrial proposals for the Gulf, including this one. The Environment Minister, the Western Australian Environment Minister, back then did the right thing by instructing the EPA to assess the values of the Gulf and to look at the pressures it was under. And they and the report came out just a couple of weeks ago, and the EPA made clear that the that the Gulf is already under pressure and that it needs protection. The key values need protection. And interestingly, it also identified a beautiful place called Quailing Pool that it said needed to be protected. And that's actually where the proponents want to build this port. So that, that was very interesting. So we, we welcomed that, that report. It was it was timely. And now the, the Western Australian uh, Minister for Environment, Amber Jade Sanderson, uh, needs to respond to that report on behalf of the Western Australian government. So it's a really important moment for people who care about this area to make their views known to the Western Australian Minister. And that includes people outside Western Australia. So many people who visit Ningaloo come from outside the area and so many people who love, love the area and love Exmouth Gulf come from all over Australia. So it's a really important opportunity to have your, have your say. What's the predicted timing of her response to the report, Paul? We 
don't know exactly, um, but it's, we expect uh, that she will be looking at it very well. We understand that, that the minister is looking at the issues uh, in some detail. She was up in the region the last few days, which is which was great, and, and got to see Wales and, and get, get a sense for how special this place is. And so we expect the next few months will be uh, a critical moment for the future of this area. It, it'll, it'll create the blueprint for the future, and it'll, it'll determine whether Exmouth Gulf, one of Australia's last really special marine environments is industrialized if we and if, if we if we fail to learn the lessons of the past that'll happen or it'll become something we can be really proud of which blends a compatible economic activity with protecting the underlying nat- natural values and of course we want to see the latter happening Paul, we'd love to get you back on the program in uh, in due course to talk about this campaign, where it's going, uh, what the response of Minister has been. In the meantime, if people want to find out more and um, particularly lend you support with the campaign, what's the best thing that they can do? Well, thanks so much. If, if people could look at at Protecting Galoo on any of the uh, Facebook or any other social social media outlet, we're on all of them, um, or, or just Google Protecting Galoo and and, uh, and hit to our site and you can add your name to the letter to the minister and read a bit more about what we're doing. There's also a major salt production facility in the Gulf, would you believe, that we're concerned about. And it's, it's all there on the website. So please have a look and add your name to, to the letter and, and be part of creating a positive legacy for one of Australia's last incredible natural places. Excellent. We'll put a link to that on our Facebook page. Um, I did have a look at it last night and um, there's a, a very very well written letter to the Minister that you can just add your name to. Um, very easy to do. So we'll definitely do that and look forward to having you back on the program in, uh, in the next uh, month or two, Paul. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Bye for now. Paul Gamblin there from the Australian Marine Conservation Society uh, talking about a new proposal to do some development in Exmouth Gulf. And uh, yes, we will put a link to that on our Facebook page. And without further ado, it's with very great pleasure that we welcome to Triple R for International Talk Like a Pirate Day, Captain Trash. Good morning. Well, shippy timbers there, Bron. Me marinara, hardies. <laughs> so great to have you with us. I don't know if you caught the start of the program, Captain Trash, but uh, John Palmer has been messaging us all week. He's a very big fan of International Talk Like a Pirate Day. He says he's in the mood for Talk Like a Pirate Day and uh, he's planning his own pirate party, obviously within COVID restrictions, uh, and uh, he says yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum. Well, I'm planning a Talk Like a Pirate year. <laughs> party's going to go on and on and on. Nice. Now, I'm absolutely delighted to let you know that we have six various people and families who have subscribed over the course of the last hour. So, Captain Trash, if I read out their names, will you do the honours and ascribe them with an appropriate Radio Marinara pirate name? That would be my pleasure. Excellent. So, first up, we have Tessa Gurry from Seddon uh, and is renewing to MAPS. Uh, Tessa, you're out. 102.7. Waughty Angler. <laughs> nice. Oh, we have uh, Jack Backer from St Albans Park. He uh, oh, is a new, it's a band subscription to Out on the Patio with a donation of $10 and says much love. Ah, good work there, Jack. You're a Shard D'Souza school shark. <laughs> I should mention also that the uh, names that we've put together this year are all... Uh, I guess tip now hat to various Triple R presenters and programs and um, station staff and volunteers and all things Triple R. So 
Uh, that's the reference to this one. Okay, Stuart Cousins from Port Melbourne, renewing and passionate. Wow, to Radio Marinara. Thank you, Stuart Thank Cousins. Thank you, Stuart. Says heartfelt thanks to all at Triple R for keeping me sane during these crazy times. <laughs> Great to have you as part of the crew there, Stuart. You're a Samira Farrar spotted sea star. <laughs> I hope you like wow, that, one. that was a mouthful. <laughs> All right, I have the Balmer family uh, from Ocean Grove renewing to Marinara saying thanks to the awesome Radio Marinara team every week. Stay salty from the Balmers on the Bellarine. Ah, the Balmers on the Bellarine. Uh, while you're up there, could you just get in a crow's next and see with where uh, getting to Antarctica? <laughs> you're a Simon Winkler striped pyjama squid. <laughs> So I'm just going to love yeah, that one. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, Nikki. Nikki Lowes from Reservoir Renewing to Radio Marinara. Thanks, Nikki. I know Nikki, friend of mine well, from work. Uh, it's good to hear you from uh, Reservoir, but some people call it Reservoir. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, Laura Summers, large bean cockle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I feel like that, Nikki. And uh, to finish up, Harrison Hine from East Melbourne renewing to Marinara and message from Harrison saying, we like your show because you're not dodgy. <laughs> Thanks, Harrison. <laughs> Fantastic there, Harrison. You're right on there. Uh, you're a jack knight, nodular peanut worm. Fantastic. Actually, Jack was uh, here um, with Archie in the first week helping us in the green room. So, so glad we got to read that one out. Hey, that- Archie, don't make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, Captain Trash. That actually brings us to the end of the program. But it's been great having you with us and um, all the best for International Talk Like a Pirate Day. That's just talk like you, I guess. <laughs> We'll catch up with you soon. Oh, thank you, Captain Trash, ever so much. Um, all right, so uh, that brings us to the end of our program. So thank you so much to our guests today, to Joe Richards and Michael Sams from Parks Victoria, Paul Gamblin from the Australian Marine Conservation Society. Thank you so much to Kent, who has been juggling 100 balls today, keeping us, uh, keeping me in particular on my toes, but um, yeah, getting this program to air. And thank you very much, Cade. And thank you, Bron, and I'm glad I don't have to follow up after Neil. What a way to finish. (laughs) Exactly. Whole bunch of links that will appear on our Facebook page through the course of the afternoon. Um, On our program next week, Farm will be in, plus Rex will be speaking with Ricky Herzberg from Plastic Oceans. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.